Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family vgw group no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus you are listening to T-Mac and Cookie Monster on the Radiant Culture Podcast. Podcast. Engaging an exciting conversation on life, God, and pop culture. Every week on the Radiant Culture Podcast. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to the Radiant Culture Podcast. My name is T-Mac. And I'm Kent. And we are back again. We cannot get enough of the Black Panther fanfare. I'm sorry. If you don't like it, you're just gonna have to deal with it. This is our time to shine. So we That's are just an excuse of I missed the last episode, so I need to be on the next well, one. Yeah, yeah. Okay, fine. Yes, fine. <laughs> and we have biscuits, our resident expert. I'm sure if you listen to part one, you'll realize that this guy knows us. Knows us. Yeah. You know a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Just about, a little bit. You know a lot about a little. <laughs> I know. I know a lot about. Yeah, yeah. Sure. I don't know if that's a diss or that's true. But anyway, I'll take it. Uh, in the spirit of, of love, I'll take that. <laughs> Welcome back. Good to be back. Good to be back. On the other side of the. Yeah, yeah. It's weird on this side. It's really strange to be on the guest side. Yeah. The hard seat. Cool. So, picking up from last. From the last episode, we were talking about uh, the Black Panther and uh, what it really means for Christians and how it's inspired this whole um, black consciousness movement that's going on and how they told the story of Africa in a very different way compared to how it's been told before. So on this episode, we just want to now, we didn't get into the story much in the previous episode because i wasn't there and y'all went off topic <laughs> that's what uh, yeah right <laughs> true yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so now we want to get into the story and get into the actual story behind black panther the story of the movie and what we as christians can learn from it yeah um well the the story i'm sure most people have watched it by now if you haven't um, again, spoiler warning, you're bad. You, you should have done yourself a good service and, and just <laughs> gone and watched it by now. Uh, I'm sure Jack Sparrow will have it soon. And he's already got it. It's already out there. Yeah. Wow, shucks. It's a 95% download. Oh, wow, shucks. No, Blu ray quality yet? Guys, already. It's sad. It's sad that. Uh, but anyway, support the movie. I'll have to say that after watching it three times, 
I only needed once, but I had decided that I am definitely buying the actual Blu-ray disc. I may never use it, but I do want to buy it and just have it in my shelf. You yeah. should have, there's some movies you just need to have in your shelf. A lot of the Avengers ones are good because lots of great stuff in there. I have all the Dark Knights. All yeah, some finish. good stuff. I have Lion King. And you have Lion King? <laughs> okay, well, Lion King is good. Yeah. It's a good start. <laughs> Black Panther is pretty much Lion King. Anyway, so <laughs> <laughs> if we're going to get yeah, into the story. Oh, okay, that's just something everybody's been saying. Uh, but yeah, I can see the links. I can see the, <laughs> the similarities. But to get on to the story, the, the story, uh, first and foremost, um, if you haven't watched it or if you're going to watch it again, you need to watch the movie with a critical eye and you, don't, you mustn't watch it putting yourself in the position of only one character. It's wise to not see yourself as only the hero or only the group of protagonists or anything like that. Because the, me- the movie sends its messages through every single character that's on screen and even the environments that those characters are in as well. So um, look at it with that kind of eye. But to get to the story... Um, Wow. It's the story of a, a man rising to his position, to his role. Uh, it starts off with the Black Panther himself, T'Challa, who is um, dealing with the loss of his father, the king who was killed in Captain America's Civil War. So he's taking over as the new king of Wakanda. Um, and uh, he has to deal with his first sort of conflict resolution issues as king, which is dealing with a mess that his father, whom he had thought was pretty much perfect, had created um, in another land, and also dealing with the whole state of the traditional position of his country, which was to be set apart from the rest of the world and ignore the problems of the planet, no matter how great or amazing they, they were and what they could do about it. So in a nutshell... That was kind of the story of the movie, the premise of the movie. Uh, I don't know if, if I can just tell like exactly what happens, and you know, and I think uh, most people would have watched. But I think um, there's something significant in that movie and how they de- depict the, the what's that guy, the, the African dude, uh, the the South Oh, what are they Claw, Claw, yeah, yes. Ulysses Claw, uh, yes, and what he represents. What does he represent? First, first off, um, I, I was looking at his pick earlier today. Hats off to that actor. That guy was fantastic at pulling. He's, he's a sure. British actor. Is he British? He's British. He sounded so he much sounded like a perfectly white boor. Like, <laughs> perfectly. As soon I mean, as I heard his accent, I was like, "Ah, oh, that's a boor." Yeah, he he did. Uh, and uh, uh, Andy Circus, fantastic job. He's you may know him as Smeagol from Lord of the Rings. Oh, really? Yes, yes, you, yes, you may yes. know him. As, he's in a lot of movies. You just don't recognize oh. him, but he's in a lot of movies. Um, but he did a fantastic job. Uh, what he represents, uh, he was probably the most literal character in the whole movie because he states that he's from Johannesburg. Mm-hmm. So he, he, and he's got the, a very specific accent, which all the other actors in the movie avoided to have. Yeah. Yeah. But he had a specific one. So he more or less was representing the white man who refuses 
to change his viewpoint on Africa. Throughout the movie, no matter how much technology he got from them, no matter how much he knew about Wakanda, he kept referring to them as savages, going so mm. far as to even say they did not deserve the technology that they had. So he kind of represents an old god that has resisted change, that has resisted a change in viewpoint about Africa and indeed black people. So I would say that's who he was in the movie. And he did a fantastic job of that. I mean, I got no hate for him. I just loved his, he did great. But I think um, what people fail to reconcile is that, okay, they, the Wakanda kingdom is this portrayal of people who know what they have in the resource, which is the vibranium, whatever. And they've managed to do, good with it albeit it's only good for their community but when you look at present day africa we now know the resources we have but we still don't do good with it or we do just sell it to the highest bidder but then our main problem which is repeated time and time again is that corruption is just rife in africa not that it's not everywhere else but it's, it's a particular issue with us in that when we have the resources we just it's about me, like I just want to benefit from it as opposed to my entire community, which I felt was very different in Wakanda because he yeah. wanted the whole community to benefit from this thing. Well, his own community, not the whole of Africa, but just the whole of Wakanda. Whereas if you take Zimbabwe, for example, someone will find uh, whatever, diamonds, and they'll make sure it benefits themselves. Well, what do you for the community or where you found it or what happens to those people afterwards? It doesn't even seem to cross their mind. Well, Isn't that an effect of colonization, though? And uh, that it came and destroyed our sense of community. So now we no longer behave as a community. We're now selfish beings and just looking out for ourselves. Whereas in pre-colonial Africa, there was the whole community you know, like the whole saying that a child is raised by a community and that sort of thing. And you see that in Black Panther and that it's a community thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. For example, in the first fight, he could have killed that guy, but he forced him to surrender and said, your people need you. Yeah, that was a very important That was, statement. you know, him extending that hand to say, look, I don't want to kill you. You know, you've got a community, you've got a people to take care of. Yeah. Which, it was a very important line, that one. And it was a, uh, evidence of what, uh, if we get to it, one of the main ideas that I think a person ought to take away from the movie, part of which is how to be a king. But to go back to the earlier point, the first opening credits, the opening moments of the movie, tell the story of how Vibranium even came to Wakanda. And one of the things they, they I think, intentionally did not ignore was to point out that, that uh, people were warring amongst themselves and then vibranium crashed and the first men got together around this and until one person got the power of the vibranium and forced everyone to stop fighting then they agreed to work together so it's not ignoring the fact that as humans we have a tendency to just knock each other about a lot but we do also have the capacity to work together Wakanda, something people forget about the movie, is that it is a group of tribes that have come together under one nation. Mm. And that is a suggestion for Africa. We still see each other as different states. And we say Zimbabwe has platinum. 
Nigeria has oil. We've all got our one thing, but we're not operating as one big unit to help each other. So they spread the vibranium, the proxy for all these rare minerals, amongst the group to benefit the entire group. And I guess it is what we're failing to do right now, to just cooperate and share amongst each other because we feel like it's a limited resource. I don't know. Okay, to throw a bit of spine in the works, um, the movie kind of suggests that Africans are not democratic because the process of choosing the king was not democratic. It was through combat. So it was more of force than no pun intended with the coup that just happened. But it's like power is only transferred by force in Africa. That's the image that you get. I guess it was by force or you could say it was by right. Uh, I guess because it, it was ritual combat and it was by everyone has a right. But you can also say it was a very egalitarian society because they said whoever wants to, wants challenge, to challenge, come challenge now. But it was only a certain group of people that could challenge, certain tribes. Yeah. But anyone from those tribes can come up and challenge. So it wasn't saying power rested in only one person and there was never, it wasn't a monarchy where no one, outside of the monarchy could ever come up. There was an opportunity Yes, but for that everyone. opportunity was only available through force. But it was protected Not force. It, it wasn't force like a coup. It was force like, hey, and it was fair force. It was you, he has no extra powers, you have no extra powers. Show your might, fair and square. And that was the culture. He had extra powers because he got to drink that stuff before he fought. Yes, but it was stripped away. They said, we are now taking away the power of the Black Panther. When he drank that stuff, it was taking his power. So it was bringing him down to an equal level with whoever he fought. No extras. And then he would only take it back after when he had won. So in a way, you could also say that was showing that a leader is not just supposed to be a leader by default. By birthright, show your strength to remain the leader. Don't just assume that I'm there. I'm the child. I'm the heir. I should just stick around. Okay. So it was. It's this. There are lots of ways of perceiving that moment. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> we can unbox everything with this movie. There, there, okay, there's let's, tons. Let's go to the more pertinent parts. The the stuff that Christians will struggle with. Okay. The rituals, the ceremonies, yeah. those were very central to the story. And Oh, wait, before we go there, yeah. uh, I, I know kind of where you're going with the last yeah. question. I will point this out. This is a personal belief. Um, uh, democracy is an interesting thing. And it's interesting that our faith doesn't necessarily have democracy, per se. Just putting that That's out there. Whole That's a whole other episode. Uh, I believe there's a king. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> There's a king. Christians yeah. are not democratic. <laughs> so. But anyway, like I was saying, there's a whole ancestral and all, all those rituals that happen and they're central to the story. And those are part of African culture. And that yeah. sort of raises an awareness you know, within the Christian to say, look, this is who we were before. You know, we're colonized. And because we're colonized, this thing called Christianity that we now believe in came and took over. And, you know, mm-hmm. what was necessarily wrong with that? Because the movie kind of makes it seem like because of their rich ancestral worship, they're able to, you know, 
to to, to continue. Yeah. yeah, yeah. With okay. him, you know, being able to go back and and and, and talk to his father, father and get yeah. advice, and then come back and implement that. All right. So um, that is probably Sorry, yes. Before you do that, did you notice that the dad? Who you went to go see didn't give him the best advice though. Yes, he didn't. So well, when y'all listen to, <laughs> I think he gave fantastic advice for the first time. The first time, the yes, first but time. the, the first second time, the second time, yeah. If well. he had done exactly what his father said, which is come join us, yeah, that know. was not going to go down well. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so be careful. Yeah, what these people are saying, but um, <laughs> the, the up. <laughs> this is where the the movie, I guess, gets tricky for believers. Um, because they want to reconcile that whole ancestral side of it and the whole paganism side of it or old religion side of it. And um, I would say a suggestion, and I think the actual way you ought to take it, is the movie is a reflection of how things actually were in Africa. And we can't deny that that is our past. We, we can't separate that from our history as Africans, that indeed this is the way it was. And it was trying to depict that and show that. For the sake of narrative and progression of the movie, it was never counted or discounted, but nor has it been in any other Marvel movie. We've got people going to alternate dimensions and fighting demons, Dormammu. I mean, that's just weird in itself. We don't question that. We don't question it in, in Guardians of the Galaxy when they go wherever they go and they fight celestial beings who were there before the universe started. Mm. We don't question that. Strangely enough, we start questioning a lot of stuff when it comes to Black Panther. Because well, it's closer to home. I know guys. it's closer celestial to home. To be, being is just like celestial But it's the being. same problem because the only celestial being we should know is God if we want to go that direction. But take the movie as it is, as in trying to represent a period of time and a way of life. It's not necessarily saying that that is the way of life that you should live or you should be, or you should now take that up because their, their spirit realm is fictional. In far as the movie is concerned, that was created in 1960, whatever. And it's fictional. The Panther God, whatever is fictional. All of that was, is a fictional African system. Question, is there actually any reference to a god in that movie? Yeah, there is. Yeah, there is one reference, yeah. Where he I, says praise. Praise, yeah. He says praise. No, but he says something. praise the ancestors. No, no, no. Oh. When uh, Mbaku. The, the Nigerian, is, sorry. Yeah, the, <laughs> the, the, the Nigerian sounding guy. He's okay. not Nigerian. That's right. But uh, the gorilla king guy yes. is fighting T'Challa. Yeah. He does, before the fight starts, he says praise someone or other. And oh, I guess okay. that was okay. the panther god or whatever that they they do worship but i think the movie intentionally avoided saying it too blatantly because they knew it would be sticky Mm. yeah Mm. but uh yeah 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 yeah. as christians yeah just be wary of that (laughs) i mean the funny thing is i went with my mom to go watch black panther and i thought she'd come out of there well she obviously she had a special attachment to the movie already because her cousin is Danai. But then um, I thought because she's so a very that spiritual makes her person. Your aunt. That makes Danai my aunt. Okay. Yeah. Yes. So I thought my mom would come away from it like, yeah, the movie's good, but <laughs> I thought she'd be like, that would like make her not like the movie. 
but she loved it regardless. Like even when I asked her for her review, like she didn't even mention that. She was just talking about the, you know, the position of the black man, and she got something totally different. So someone like her can ignore that, guys. I need you to understand. My mom, she is a very <laughs> spiritual person and very against witchcraft anything that resembles it. So yeah, I found that interesting that she didn't really seem to care. I yeah. guess she so, took it for so what it was. This is what something I was, that used like to I was saying in the previous episode. Isn't that a risk, though, with this movie mm-hmm. for the Christian? That it it it's a good thing that we have to what what do you call it to go back there and yeah. uncover and try and you know dig up our past and try and restore our identity, our African pride. But the risk is that aren't we going to elevate that above our faith? With the whole um, Afrocentric consciousness kind of movement, yes, that is a very strong risk. And if you speak to a lot of people who are on that movement, um, they they go back to a lot of Egyptology. Yeah. They go they back go to back a to lot Egypt. of uh, traditional, particularly Nigerian traditional and gods also and whatever. They they go well. yeah they go deep and they go way back and. Um, I can't speak for them. You'd really have to have discussions with some of these people. They're very interesting. Um, And there is a danger of getting confused. There is a danger of losing track. There is a danger of beginning to celebrate something that we're not trying to celebrate. Because the movie didn't try to celebrate, but nor did it try to demonize. Mm -hmm. So it it stayed in the middle. But us as moviegoers, yes, there is indeed a danger. I can't remove that. There is a danger of uh, getting too excited about that. So in light of this, the role of Christianity now. Um, and as, as an aside, um, Heli Selassie, I was actually a Christian. Mm-hmm. And yeah. because of his Christian faith, he really didn't believe in colonization, which is yeah. why Ethiopia wasn't colonized. Yeah. So Christianity played a big part in in thing. And just that the Rastafarians then decided to make it. <laughs> yeah. He was a Christian. But anyway... Um, so here's an interesting question. Someone watching the movie and looking at it and saying, okay, ancestral worship, but isn't worshiping Christ some form of ancestral worship? Yeah, I get that argument a lot, eh? People like to throw that one out. <laughs> Never heard uh, of that. Yeah, yeah, it's thrown out there. Uh, no, I don't think they're the same thing. They're, they're not, not the same ancestor, thing. Because Christ guy. is God. It's not... It's not the same thing as an ancestor. He's, your ancestor is a dead vision of you that is now up there. That's not what yeah, yeah, Christ, Christ is. Died. Because <laughs> the same people argue that, no, no, Catholicism. And, no, no, finish your statement. Christ died and you what? <laughs> exactly. How many of these yeah, ancestors? These ancestors don't rise again, again eh? Yeah. They just stay where they're at. Uh, and I know people argue that, no, the saints and all of that that Catholicism does is the same as, you know, your ancestors and all that. And I think that's kind of how they got away with a lot of stuff coming here and how they got uh, traditional um, churches accepted really quickly. Mm. But I do not believe they're the same thing. They, they, they can't be. Uh, I'm no fundi on it, but I don't think so. <laughs> Such an interesting movie. What did you get out of the team, Mike? Um, I got that that costume designer was really good. <laughs> no, they did great. Oh my God. They no, did. you know, one thing I noticed was um, I I found it cool that the the, the general was a female and that the the king's guards were female. 
I found that I, really fascinating. And yeah. it's, it's reminded me of, which African leader is that? Who had an all-female presidential guard. Gaddafi. Of, exactly, Gaddafi. Yeah. And I was like, ah, let's see, this is what they're drawing. No, we're drawing not saying Gaddafi is Black Panther. <laughs> <laughs> but, I said African leader. I said, yeah. But I will, also, I will agree with you there. In terms of representing women as powerful, as strong, as mighty, and equal, mm. I think there are few movies that have gone as yeah, far as Black like, Panther. Okoye, like, blows Wonder Woman out yeah. of the water. I'm sorry. Like, she, she is fierce. And I think that is a... Because uh, I've had discussions with some people when we've gone back and forth on traditionalism, and I've been on the side to say that, no, African tradition was originally... It's very patriarchal, very sexist. And they would argue back at me and say, no, no, not originally. Mm. That it's Originally, it was actually a very equal society. And a lot of layers have come on top of that to change that. So Black Panther kind of suggests that mm. in its own way. But as just a movie for any woman watching, whatever creed or color, yeah. that movie really shows. I mean, the general of the army, woman, queen mother, who could influence the king in any way, woman. Yeah, and if you, read, if you read woman. the comics. Girl, actually. And this is a, not really a spoiler, but if you go out and get the comics, uh, many people like Shuri, the Black Panther's sister. Mm. She actually becomes the Black Panther mm. uh, and yeah, king for a real, time in a the comic. <laughs> but, I mean, it may not happen in the movies, but yeah. in the comic it happens. So, it, it really, Black Panther does a lot to say that women are, at, at least in that kind of society, are definitely not second rate in any way, shape or form. Yeah. Um, but on the topic of those female warriors, what are they called? The Dormilaji. Dormilaji. Some people online, I don't know what they're smoking, but they seem to be complaining that majority of the Dormilaji were dark-skinned, uh-huh. as opposed to they, they, they weren't representing the real variety that you get in Africa in terms of like from very dark to very light. Well, yeah, I would say the whole movie was like that. It, it showed pretty much Africans who were maybe very dark to mid-dark. And then didn't go like too much further beyond that. However, in the background, there are quite a number of light, like light, light, light people. Um, to those criticisms, I, I just asked the opposite question. When have people questioned the uh, extremely light girls in all the music videos or generally all movies where they try to lean towards light? And I think the m- movie was trying to make a conscious effort to say, uh, dark is good as well mm. without saying light is therefore bad yeah much the same way we say black lives matter does not mean that all other lives don't matter it's just that they had to make a statement with one side mm. and considering we have never actually seen that many dark faces at one time mm. consistently throughout a whole movie mm. was a feat in itself but not discounting anyone else or any other uh, the movie was not trying to be Colorist, I don't know what the name is for 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 that. When yeah, you know, judging each other based on color, tone of color. <laughs> yeah. But it wasn't that. It was definitely not trying to be that. No, but do you know what? Even though people online were complaining, it's actually something that I really liked about the movie because, like you're saying, there's there isn't much of a representation of people who look like us on TV. Mm. Maybe you have um, the lady from How to Get Away with Murder. Yeah, I forget her name, but yeah, she's one of the few dark-skinned or rather average-skinned black women on TV. Like, even if I think of everyone else, Olivia Pope, she's light. Gabrielle Union, she's light. Like, all these people, like, everyone who, like, there's no one who looks like me. 
So, yeah, I, I yeah. actually really appreciated that conscious effort to keep it a certain I think the movie was trying to shake up beauty standards and mm-hmm. beauty narratives because as Africans, we also have a, we have a shaming of ourselves. Yeah. And I think it was trying to say, don't shame yourself. Look at these people. They're powerful. They're beautiful. They are loved. They are strong. And they're happy with their skin as it is. Mm. Okay. And also, sorry, I know yeah. this is now going on a random tip, but also the fact that none of them had fake hair. I also really yeah. appreciated that. Like, that's also not something I haven't seen before. One, one of the main scenes that was in early development for the film, like in the first draft where they're like, guys, let's think of the main scenes we want, was the scene she where takes off the wig. Yeah, Okoye, the Nigerita, mm. actually uses her wig as a weapon. She, like, she, she complains about it the whole time, mm. then gets into a fight, then decides, no, I'm going to throw this at this guy and use it as an actual weapon. And... Um, I thought that was very powerful because uh, up until maybe a few years ago, it was just generally not cool to just rock your hair mm. as it is, as you are, whether you're bald, whether you're going to Afro rock it, whether you want to do twists or whatever. I don't know all the styles, but just do you just do what you want to do. Even when you look online and you looked for professional hairstyles, you wouldn't find an African hairstyle. It just wasn't there. Mm-hmm. I had a friend, uh, not even rec- long ago, two weeks ago, when we were leading up to Black Panther, um, who said to me that she still, she works in the UK, black woman, Zimbabwean. She would, she still has to put on a wig to go to meet corporates who are like old men, like like the older generations, because like they just do not, they will not see they me as see professional if I'm just rocking my natural. Hair. They yeah. they they need that long straight hair. They have to see it. And I was thinking, wow, in 2018, shucks, yeah. yeah. this is it's still bad. Mm. So the movie was definitely trying hard to shake that up. Yeah. So, Killmonger. Yeah. He represents. African Americans. Yeah. And I thought that was a very good depiction of them that they're kind of <laughs> yeah, angry people. <laughs> angry, but yeah. rightfully so because yeah. their identity was taken away from them and they're kind of lost. Yeah. You know what I mean? They were oppressed for so long and then now they have freedom in quotes mm-hmm. and now they're trying to discover okay, who are we by the way? You get yeah. you get what I mean? Yeah. So they're in in limbo. And I think they kind of feel that way when, especially the ones that come to Africa mm-hmm. and you come here, you can relate and say, these guys look, look like, like me. me, they behave like me, but Check they're don't not like those people. really me yeah. anymore. I, you can't, they can't really connect, mm-hmm. so to say. Do you think that African-Americans and Africans can actually be reunited? And that relationship can re- be reconciled. I th- how can it be done? I think it, it has to be reconciled. It is one of the greatest tragedies of, of the world, I think, that um, this wonderful group of people have been separated from each other. And is there anything else like that anywhere else in the world? Where such it's a big populist. It's literally a whole populist yeah, from uh, one continent to another. 
that is completely separated. No, mm-hmm. I mean we've got like the Indians who are in Cape Town and the Indians everywhere oh, else, but they're connected. They're, <laughs> they're actually connected, not separated. Yeah, yeah and it's, the culture was maintained. Yeah. It's very maintained. Yeah. It's, it's it's really black people, um, Africans and African Americans who have kind of been divided in that way, and that has uh, left them exactly like Killmonger, alone, fearful, um, aggressive, aggressive, angry, and trapped. Very trapped in their scenario. And then, like any child who's been abandoned, they question their parent. In our case, Africa. African Americans have a right to question Africa. Uh, like I've got a, a, a business colleague, African American, who's trying to bridge this gap. And one of the comments he always says when he gives a talk about it is um, uh, he'll go on about the wonders of Africa and the greatness of where we are, but he always throws in the line that, but you guys could have sent at least one boat. You could have just, you know, at least one to come and get us. And there's an anger in what he's saying and a truth that we didn't go back for them. And they have kind of right to be annoyed about that. But yes, though the Killmonger represents that neglected side of us, uh, the African-Americans are also Wakanda in their own way. In that one of the issues Killmonger has is that Wakanda had the technology to liberate everyone. Why didn't they? In an interesting way, African-Americans had the resources to come back to Africa and liberate us. Many of our countries, our country, only got independence 34 years ago, 36 years ago, like my lifetime. (laughs) So what were the American, African-Americans doing after they finished their civil rights movement Mm. in relation to us? So that's why I say the movie has so many metaphors and that can be taken in many different directions. But to speak of the reconciliation, at the end of the day, Killmonger acknowledged that he was Wakandan. And he spoke about how he was a kid from Oakland who was growing up with a dream. Uh, how how silly was that? Correct me if I'm wrong. Killmonger is more of a diasporian than an African-American. No, I think because he grew up in He grew America. up there, but his dad moved there didn't he? his dad so he's moved. more like yeah, someone he, after the american dream he's like a first generation yeah that side he's like a diasporian yeah no well, like fr- like for example he's like, he's like my brother's kid he's like my yeah like my brother's son would be kind of like who killmonger represents like my brother came from here actively looking for economic opportunities and then settled there and had a family killmonger would be his son But he's not really African-American as in through the slave line. I would say that uh, for the sake of narrative and specificity, uh, that is meant to be ignored. Just so that timelines work. He can't be like the great, great, great grandson. They had to bring it closer to home for for narrative purposes. So I think he is still meant to represent African-Americans, even though technically, you're right, he's yeah. like more of a diaspora type person. But that's why also people are saying the relation between Africa and the diaspora. Aren't they all really our diaspora? Yes, they are, but they're ancient diaspora. Yeah, they're, they're ancient diaspora. <laughs> but they I are had a diaspora. question. Sorry, I'm, it's also on a tangent. Oh, what's the diaspora? Like, is an American living in Zimbabwe? Are they in the diaspora? Yes. <laughs> They're in the diaspora. I've only ever heard There's the word used black. for black people. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I've only ever heard it used to describe it black is. people in other countries. It is. Unfortunately, that's a whole other discussion between the term expat 
and diaspora. Yeah, because, because I never it's heard very uniquely an American to, person in yeah, Zimbabwe referred to as somebody with diaspora. A lot of negative. It has negative connotations. Yeah. Because you linked got the immigrants. It's linked with running away, running away, yeah, yeah. immigrants and stuff like that. Yeah, but technically yeah. they're expats. Yeah. A lot of people living all over the country are just expats. Yeah, thanks. But thanks we don't like to there. say that. It's, it's <laughs> sad, but in terms of reconciliation, the fact that throughout the movie, the the African American representation is trying to get back to their African roots. It's just that they're approaching it with a takeover mentality rather than with a let me get in, in into it's like it a vengeance. Mentality. It's mentality. more of a vengeance. The yeah. two, it's kind of like the movie suggesting that he the the all right at the end. You should have seen this, so spoiler, whatever. But at the end, Killmonger points out that his father had said, Wakanda is an amazing, beautiful place. You love it here and all that. And he's taken up to see a sunset. Only at his point of death does he then remark, it's beautiful. And then he goes on to die. So his vengeance had so consumed him that he failed to even see the dreamland that his father had always been telling him to go to. Mm. And it's an indirect message to say, as long as you're spending your time so angry and so much on this revolution tip we must destroy all, you're going to miss the wonderful beauty that's already there in Africa. And I will say it's happening where we don't get many African-Americans coming to Africa. Yeah, they spend more time me. revolting in the States. No, just Come here. Yeah. Come and see Americans here. Coming yeah, in. as you're yeah. talking, I was actually thinking of like other religions, like for the Muslims, for example. Mm-hmm. Most of them in their lifetime, they'll make the pilgrimage to they'll go make to Mecca. Yeah. Or, you know, just to be able to say, I, I was there. Or even Jewish people, they'll go to Israel. But the average black American... Yeah, they, not that their fight think... over there is to be ignored. It's very real and very tough and very hard. But they could... Get on a plane. It's cheaper for them than it is for us. Mm. To, and just come here, invest in here, be here, make the dream, the Wakanda, real in mm. Africa. And I also think that, uh, and now coming back to what we were talking about earlier, about the resources and the wealth that we have, I think the movie actually highlighted what Africa needs to do now. Yeah. Instead of us going away go to the diaspora and develop those countries, we need to start taking responsibility of our resources and start using it to advance Africa. Yeah. And I think that's what's needed now and for us to start actioning. But they didn't, the first port of call wasn't to advance Africa though, until they went back to Uyu's neighborhood. They went back to his neighborhood. Yeah, but what, what I'm saying is that Wakanda became Wakanda because they first invested in themselves. Mm-hmm. Then after they had become so superior, I mean, that CIA agent was wowed with what he saw. Yeah. Yeah. Meaning that in the States, there was nothing like that. Mm -hmm. So Africa, Wakanda was so advanced that now they were were able to then go and then share that advancement. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But we need to get to that place first as Africa. But the central theme is how did... Wakanda become great is because of that vibranium, right? Which symbolizes Africa's rich natural resources. What are we doing with our natural resources to develop Africa to become a superpower? Then we can go out there in the world. But we're busy neglecting. I mean, I've heard so many stories. Zimbabwe has got the 
third largest chrome deposits the largest platinum deposits that we've got the largest like 10 different minerals and now we've got what's that thing that makes batteries what is it lithium lithium we've got tons of it exactly and the world is going they i mean elon musk is building cars based on that mm -hmm. and we have the largest deposits but the first thing is you finish high school i'm getting out of here yeah I'm getting on a plane and getting as far as I possibly can. Leaving and it, it's sad. as well. I think uh, Wakanda, it, and that's where the movie is now critiquing us as Africans. Mm. It's now looking at us and saying, look at what you could accomplish. Mm. If you just chose to work together, if we stopped looking at our borders. That's another interesting thing about Wakanda was one country. No division by borders or region. Yes. And we are too stuck up on our borders that we didn't make. Hey, We're too focused. Yeah. The, the ones with the Zambias. They, they, they were in some, yeah, it was a Oh, no, the, oh, the, 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 gorilla the gorilla guys. Yeah. Yes, they did decide to be their own little <laughs> enclave up in the mountains. Yeah. But they, they were still Wakandan yes. because yes. they still followed the traditions. They yes. still obeyed even yeah. though they lived on their own little plateau. So, yeah, it, it's a message to us that we are failing ourselves. We're failing to achieve our greatness because we're so divided. China is one place. The U.S. is one place. And they're great because of it. Even Australia is fantastic because they're one group of people. Issues aside. No, no. Yeah, yeah we know they've got other issues. Those aboriginals, we, we, we know that they've got that history, too. <laughs> now, that's a whole... I think the aboriginals probably like Black Panther, too. <laughs> but... Um, it, it's that hole we're not unified, and so we're failing to climb out of our own holes mm. because of that. And uh, I think the same is true. Wow, you can superimpose that onto Christianity, eh? That we're very, very divided. Mm, and so our message gets very confusing. And, stuff, yeah. And, yeah. and we are failing to maybe change the world as fast as we'd want to change it because this, we're just not... Yeah, I was actually thinking about another character, although he doesn't really seem central to the to the plot that much, is the CIA guy. Yeah, I think the CIA guy was important. He was the proxy for white people. He was the token white guy. Something very new, yeah. very, very different for us in film. The token black guy. Yeah, uh, lots of people online are complaining, saying he was given too much time, he was too important. In fact, he was the guy who got into the uh, the vibranium-powered ship and shot down the weapons that were going to power the revolution. There's people who've got that mindset. Oh, so they're seeing that as a symbol as well. They say that the a white symbol. man was, good, was shooting yes. down the revolution. Yeah. But I think that's good in that, not him shooting down the revolu revolution. <laughs> no, yeah. I think it's good in that it showed that Africans or Wakandans are not good at everything. Because mm -hmm. remember why, when he asked, why am I the one? And, and she said that you're a pilot, you're good at it. You're, you're yeah. one of the best. Yeah. So, meaning that, you know, there's a skill that he had mm. that other people have, other races have. Oh my gosh, like I just had a light bulb moment that if we, like what you're saying about working together, exactly. instead of us just being like, yes, we have it all in Africa, we can do it yeah. alone. Yeah. Why not? Like, fine, guys, facts on the ground, West is more developed. Yeah. Like, if we try and start from square one and be like, let's exactly. try and make it all ourselves and start yeah. from the beginning, trying ah, to it would take ages to catch up. Yeah. <laughs> Why not work together? Yeah. 
Even if it hits our pride. I think people miss it. And like exactly what you're saying, the fact that the agent Ross, uh, he was in Wakanda under Wakandan terms and was helping them under their terms fairly. He wasn't taking anything. He was literally assisting by their rules. In fact, he did nothing in that movie without the guidance of one of the Wakandans. And he offered his unique knowledge in that situation. And by the end of the movie, he was now the emissary for trade between Wakanda and the outside world. Mm -hmm. So it was a fair exchange. It was an example of, no, there is a way to work together that's fair. That's equal. Furthermore, uh, Black Panther is talking to Killmonger in the final fight, and he points out that Killmonger is saying that these people took everything from me, so I'm going to take everything back, and I'm going to hurt anybody who hurt, who even sides with you. And the Black Panther points out that you are becoming the very people that you hate. You're turning into them. Mm. Wakanda doesn't do this. We don't attack the world because we're not going to be the same as the people that you're angry at. So us in the real world getting annoyed at the presence of Agent Ross is kind of like us being like the exact people we are trying to fight against. You can't be all... No one else but us. Mm. The world can't function that way. Yeah. And that's an example of how, no, there's a place for everyone. Everyone mm. can work together. I think um, white Zimbabweans in the diaspora would relate to that. No, I'm being yeah, serious. Yes. Because mm-hmm. right now, with our new president, we're going through this thing where he's been you know, suggesting that he might give some land back. But yeah. it's not like he's going to give it for free. But like... People are up in arms like, no, you give Mm -hmm. these white people the land back. And it's like, well, they kind of know how to farm it. So (laughs) I don't think it's such a bad thing if you give them some land. Like, why are we so angry? Because in the end, they'll provide employment. The GDP will go up. Like, what's the big deal? But some of them would prefer that it's more on a consultancy basis. Like the white farmers who have the knowledge can come and work together with, you know, agricultural students and Uh, however we tend to work it out. But I don't think we should just be so, if your hand is always in a fist, it will never be open to receive. mm -hmm. So if we're always like in this fight mode, how are we ever going to? Actually talking about this new government, one thing I like about, you know, their stance that Zim is open for business and the way they're going about it is the fact that it's a totally different stance from the previous regime, even though they are the same but different leader. But they've totally changed stance in that the stance of the previous regime was we can do it by ourselves. Mm. Yeah. We don't need you. Get out of here. We don't need you. Yeah. Get out of the Commonwealth. Mm-hmm. Get out of We don't care. That sort of thing. We're taking our land. We're going to do it our way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, that was the, their philosophy. Whereas these guys are saying, okay, We've got the resources, we've got this, but we don't have the expertise. We don't have the Mm. financial resources. We're going to need your resources to tap into our resources. And Mm. we work together and we share the spoil. And we do it in the atmosphere of respect. Exactly. I'll go back to one of the other favorite aspects of the movie. Again with Everett Ross. Where he is in the... The agent. The agent. So he's in the throne room of Mbaku. And uh, oh, they're talking, down. and then he decides he's just going to interject oh. and just say his piece. <laughs> yes. So they immediately, like, they, they bark him into <laughs> silence and say, you will speak when oh, you need yes. to be spoken to. But even in the same scene, the same king is standing with him, and, and when he says he'll join the fight, they let him join the fight. So it's kind of like, be here, 
but respect our home. But yes. We'll welcome that, you if you respect yeah. this place. But in that scene, it actually dawned on me how upside down it looked to have a white man kneeling before a black king or black person on a throne. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. Like, this was my, my, my subconscious at work. I was looking at it like, tell me about this strange. <laughs> like, yeah. honestly, it's strange that the guy was like kneeling like your owner, whatever. It's, yeah, it's just not an image I'm used to seeing. Yeah, and it's because we've been messed up. We immediately, that shook us because it's a white man kneeling to a black person. But we've been conditioned to be alarmed at that. When it should have been just a man kneeling before a king. It doesn't matter what the king looked like or what he mm. looked like. Yeah. It should have just been a man kneeling before a king. Yeah. But because of the errors of history, mm. we are shook up by that because we've seen it the other way for a very long time. Yeah, especially, ex- especially yeah, because when you have the name of a race now being used as a synonym for a position, how we call a boss Murungu. Oh, Even yes, a black yeah. boss, you didn't call him Murungu yeah. when Murungu means for, white for, man. For those who need the translation, yeah, <laughs> Murungu means white man. So you find black people referring to another black boss as Murungu. white man. Oh, my, 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 my white man. Yeah, it's Murungu so irritating. Wangu. I always want to shout at someone. But it's conditioning that, yeah. that this films like this one are trying to correct or she trying to suggest to stop I tell him otherwise. Stop it, but it's in him. It's, it's like Murungu. It's like Murungu. I'm not white. It's very, very bad. There's so much that needs to be worked on. And um, I think, uh, again, to bring it to uh, why we all resonate with this, and I think it still comes down to the fact that we believe it is right that all men are equal. Mm. We believe in ourselves. And that was placed in ourselves. And that is why films like this happen, because something's welling up to say, no, the status quo is wrong and needs to be fixed. Okay. So, like I said in the previous episode, but I don't think we got into the detail. And that's the last thing that we're talking about. Um, Okay. Black Panther, Wakanda, it's Stanley. Yeah. He's white. Yeah. It's his story. Stanley and Jack Kirby, both white guys. Yeah. Wait. Oh, oh no, sorry. The producer is the one who was the black. The director. Yeah. Director. Ryan Coogler's black. Yeah. yeah. But the guys behind the story. The and guys behind the story. Trying to the guys who own. Movie <laughs> anyway, they're still white. So it's still a white man's story or a white man's version of a black hero. Yeah. What, when is the real black hero coming? I think the real black heroes have been here. We just haven't been looking at them or telling their stories. We haven't seen the value in telling their story yet. And I think that is changing. Um, Bless Stanley and Jack Kirby's souls because they did this in the 1960s. And Mm. they saw uh, a, a problem in society and against all odds tried to fix it. Because no one was asking for a black superhero. Yeah. The black readers certainly had no right to ask. But they did it anyway. And so I say hats off to them. So anyone wants to complain about that, I'm like, well, you weren't there to change it at that time. And they tried. Yeah. So thank goodness for that. Um, but that said, the ball has kind of been kicked back into our courts to say, well, you tell your own stories. You get out there. I love people like Luis Mkizen Essay, who's created a character called Kwezi. 
He, that's a South African-made, South African superhero in a very contemporary world. And that same is happening in, in Lagos with Comic Republic and um, Vortex Comics. Same is happening in, with Nikon in, in Nairobi. Same is happening in Lusaka with Lusaka Comic Con. So the media, and that, those Comic Cons aren't just comics. They're also games. They're also films and all that sort of stuff. They, there is a sort of awakening of the African globally to start saying his authentic story. And it is true that the story will always be more authentic if it comes from us. The way Africans reacted to Black Panther is very different from the way Americans reacted. We heard, for instance, uh, I know that everywhere across Africa, there's one scene everyone reacted to. <laughs> One, no matter which country you're from, they all reacted to it. And that is the scene when Killmonger walks in and says, I'm here to be king. And that woman says, oh, 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 <laughs> in the background. There's not one cinema where people didn't say, hey. <laughs> yeah, she said, hey. She said that. And everyone's like, that's African. That's us. And the irony is that that's us in Uganda. That's us in, yeah. in Kenya. That's us in Ethiopia. That's us everywhere. And... And, but I don't think the same reaction was in America mm. because yeah, they, they wouldn't get it. They, they don't know that that is such a common reaction <laughs> in Africa. So there is an authenticity that would come from stories literally coming from here, told from here, envisioned here, imagined here, spoken here. Um, just the same as, as I can never tell an authentically, uh, authentically um, Mexican story. I can't. Mm -hmm. Or an authentically Canadian or even a story from California. I can't. I'm not from there. I can that, get close. That being said, I do like that they used African, like actors of African. Yes. Descent. And I think that fed into making sure that the story mm -hmm. stayed as true as it could possibly yeah. be. Yeah. I think that, that the consulting that those guys, I wonder if they got paid for it. But, but. that also was... <clears throat> Uh, what can I say? It also showed a weakness in the movie yeah. in terms of accents. Mm -hmm. Because you can tell that Naya and, and Lupita have a natural African accent. Yeah. The others were faking it. Well, many people... And it could come out. Shuri's wasn't this Especially the Black the, Panther. The prince. He's the king, sorry. was so fake. You know what? Um, I it, thought it about that. It sounded fake because it wasn't a specific country. He yeah. was trying to be like Mandela. Ah, he, yes. The third time his I watched it, I will say yes. yes. His yeah, pronunciation was the was, same as Mandela. Was, his enunciation, sorry, yes. was the same as Mandela's. His, his tone that pace. speech at the UN. He yeah. So sounded but he also like sounded Mandela. like our late president, though. At some yeah, point, yes. Late like, president? Yeah, no. Not late, but la <laughs> our last president. <laughs> former <laughs> president. Last one. Scratch late, that. He's not late. Sorry about the pictures yesterday. He's looking good. But yeah, what, <laughs> what he said was, was very similar to that. Um, I, many people do actually say that uh, Danai's accent was off and all that. And I think it was. I think they had a accent designed for the movie so yeah, that we wouldn't think, think it's so. but their specific. words came out naturally more naturally i think for lupita they did. more so than for yeah for than lupita I, it was yeah way more yeah. natural yeah yeah I, I, to be honest initially i was a bit angry because i didn't really get it like i was like 
what what accent is this? Like, because as an African, you're trying to pick. Okay, what what are they trying to be yeah, right now? I think. But then afterwards, explain to me because you know it's not an Africa that doesn't exist, so yeah. it can't be an accent that exists. Yeah. Although yeah. they can take bits and pieces, yeah. like they did for Mbaku or they did for. But they spoke a lot else. of Kosa. They spoke a lot of mm. Kosa in there, a lot. Yeah, I like and, that. Uh, I think the South Africans kind of feel like yeah. it's their movie. The other thing <laughs> I liked was the. The soundtrack. That was oh, the soundtrack. Oh, in the sense that they had the whole South African. Which soundtrack? The whole soundtrack. The whole soundtrack. They had the whole South African vibe, the South African house, the Durban house oh. vibe when Thing was king, when T'Challa was king, and then they had the Kendrick Lamar come on when Killmonger was king. I, I think and that was, yeah. That I think they actually... two different worlds. I think they actually had a weirder soundtrack for when T'Challa was king. The, the house stuff was really for, for Shuri. Shuri. Yes, for for, Shuri. for her, yes, her lab to yes, show the modern African. Yes, and I think that was cool. Yes. The rest of the soundtrack was frankly weird. Yeah, it was weird. Uh, yeah, like when no, you start off... The whole movie. I was like, come on, where is this dude going to stop? And you're like, what? And the Dora Milaje had this whole shrieking you may not have noticed it but it was specific to whenever they were on screen Um, but this is how I ended up taking it after a lot of thought it's hard for me to enjoy some of these movies because I go in with so much analytics on flick and um, I thought of kung fu movies right I thought All the kung fu movies I watch, or the really like, what's that other one? Something dragon, all the crouching tiger, hidden dragon. All those, a lot of the really artistic ones have a lot of a lot of weird noises that are so foreign to us, and you're even thinking, is this music? (laughs) But it's it shows a maturity in their identity and to say we are not being Western here. These are the sounds of our world, and. Truth be told, the Western movies have a sound. We're just really used to it, but they have their sound. So I think these guys were really brave to say, hey, the weird thing is that's us. Hey, let's create a new sound that we'll get used to, like I did for Kung Fu movies, that we will get used to and say, that's African. But I wish they'd had done the soundtrack with with an African artist. Yeah, I, the whole soundtrack. No, as in instead of Kendrick, he gets an African person. Aisha, I mean, I don't know how those deals work. <laughs> but I think they put Kendrick because of the whole when Killmonger, because Kendrick only starts coming in when Killmonger. Mm-hmm. He starts really, sounds. yeah. Before they're doing those weird sounds and the South African house and the Lion yeah. King sounds. In the land. Hey guys, those are our sounds. Okay, <laughs> let's, let's let's take it as is. But yeah, fantastic soundtrack. Very very uplifting movie. Um, worth watching. Add to your collection. Cool. So I think that's about it. We we out, Mr. Kent, <laughs> T Mac. And a biscuit. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening, guys. Bye. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Radiant Culture Podcast. If you want to make a contribution, make a suggestion, or have a request, you can get in touch with us via email on radiantatthehub.co.zw or inbox us on Facebook and Twitter. Look out for the next episode and remember to share this one with everybody you know. God bless. It's hot. It's fresh. It's uncut. Hashtag Real Talk on the Radiant Culture Podcast.